Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, congratulations. Congratulations to all of you because you have made it. You've made it through an entire church year. Here we are together on the last Sunday of the church year, and next Sunday we start all over again with the first Sunday in Advent. And as a reward for having made it through the year, I'm going to ask Camel to play and Laura to sing a few measures of a song. And it's a song that sums up the themes for this last Sunday. Let's see if you can recognize it. song, as I'm sure you know, is from the musical West Side Story. Toward the end of that powerful play, in the midst of terrible gang fights and people being killed, Maria sings this lovely, moving song titled Somewhere. There's a place for us, Maria sings, a place where there's peace and quiet and open air, a place where the Bitter rivalries are over, a place where Democrats and Republicans are working together, a place where love never dies, somewhere. And that is exactly the theme for this last Sunday in the church year. There's a place for us at the end of time itself. There's a place for us where Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's a place for us where our swords will be beaten into plowshares. There's a place for us when the final curtain comes down that the lion will lie down with the lamb. It's a beautiful theme. And furthermore, it's a true theme. There is, however, just one problem 
today's gospel adds a new element to the end of time. And it's an element that's sometimes a little foreign to us Episcopalians. It's an element that sometimes makes us a little twitchy. And the new element is judgment. It's the element of judgment at the end of time. It's the element of no more hiding. No more Swiss bank accounts. No more wigs and toupees. It's time to tally up the score. So, in today's gospel, which describes this theme, Jesus, as you know, is seated on a huge throne, and before him, stretched to the horizon, are millions and millions of people. And they're divided into two groups. One is labeled sheep, and the other is labeled goats. And Jesus begins by speaking to the sheep. And the sheep get very confused by what Jesus is saying to them. Let me explain their confusion by asking all of you a question. If I were to make a sandwich by using a long bun and putting into it cheese and meat and onions and peppers and a lot of other stuff, I mean, what would you call it? Well, I would call it um, a grinder. But if you lived in Jacksonville or Los Angeles, you would call it a submarine. If you lived in Philadelphia or Knoxville, you would call it a hoagie. If you lived in Madison, Wisconsin, you would call it a Garibaldi. If you lived in Norristown, Pennsylvania, you'd call it a Zeppelin. If you lived in Houston or Mobile, you'd call it a poor boy. I've done a lot of research for this sermon. What I'm saying is that there are lots of times when we look at the same thing, but we see it in different ways. And so one sheep says to Jesus, what are you talking about, Jesus? That person I visited at the Rikers Island jail was just someone I know, not you. A submarine, not a grinder. And another person says, what do you mean, Jesus? That person that I fed last Thursday at the St. George's Soup Kitchen was a homeless person, not you. And a third person, a third sheep says, come on, Jesus, that stranger I just gave a program to at our worship service was just a newcomer, not you. And Jesus responds, wrong, wrong, wrong. It was I. It was I. It was I. There's a woman named Mary Glover who fleshes this out in real life. Back in the 1980s, there was a headline in the uh, Washington Post. It said that Edwin Meese, the U.S. Attorney General, uh, the highest-ranking legal officer in the nation, had held a press conference and announced that there weren't any longer many hungry people in America. The next day was Saturday. And early in the day, a food line formed uh, outside a neighborhood community center that was just a few blocks away from the White House. And by 9 a.m., 300 families were lined up to receive bags of groceries. And just before the doors opened and the families came in, those who were helping joined hands to say a prayer. And the prayer was offered by Mary Glover. Mary was a 65-year-old woman uh, 
who knew what it meant to be poor. And Mary had been carrying on a conversation with the Lord Jesus for many years. That morning, Mary began by first thanking God for a new day. She said, Another day to serve you, Lord. And then she prayed this, Lord, we know that you will be coming through the line today. So, Lord, help us to treat you well. So that's the first half of today's gospel. Inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, you did it unto me. The first half of today's gospel is wonderful. Unfortunately, there's a second half, and it's the goat half. Jesus says to the goats, depart into the eternal fire prepared by the, uh, for the devil and his angels, which is basically to say, go to hell. And why? Not because of the bad things that they've done. Rather, because of the good things that they have not done. Apparently, for God, sins of omission are a lot worse than sins of commission. Apparently, the suffering around us that we don't see, the pains and struggles around us that we miss, those are the things that call us onto the carpet. And so the goats cry out, wait a minute, Jesus, we didn't know it was you. Heck, we thought it was just those people. Now, I want to make a deep theological statement right here. I want to present a profound theological concept. Here it is. I am a goat. And I also want to say very gently that sometimes, in some ways, just a little bit, and I want to be sensitive here, all of you are goats also. Which is to say that you and I are branded by the consequences of sins of omission. You and I have a list of good things that we haven't done that just stretches to the horizon, if we're going to be honest. You and I have a list of loving words we have not said that reaches to the end of time, if we're going to be honest. You and I have a list of helping hands that we haven't offered that reaches to the end of the universe, if we're going to be honest. And the good news in today's gospel is not that God doesn't pass judgment on our goat-like states. The judgment has been passed. But it has been passed on the one who loves you and me enough to be willing to take that judgment on his own shoulders. I'm talking about the Son of God, and I am talking about the cross. And I'm talking about the fact that because of what Jesus has done for you and me, God now sees you and me not as goats, but as sheep. Let me give you an illustration to explain what I mean. Because it's a little bit like our rector, Jacob Smith, and his wife, Melina, by the way, Jacob and Melina said it was okay for me to use this illustration, although Melina said it was a little more okay than Jacob did. Um, just kidding, but it goes like this. 
you and I all know that Jacob is a goat. But we also know that he's been married for many years to Melina. And we know that Melina has been loving this goat all these years. And here is what has happened. As Jacob has experienced himself being loved, and loved by somebody who knows what he's like and still loves him, he has found himself being changed. Not changing himself, being changed. And yes, he's still conscious of his sins of omission, maybe more than ever. But as he has been loved well by Melina, and as Melina has seen him through her eyes as sheep, that is what he is becoming. On this last Sunday of the church year, that's the news. You and I are invited to know ourselves this morning as sheep. Not because we got our act together, but because we know ourselves as forgiven and loved and made new by the Son of God. Because of what Jesus has done for us, God sees you and me as sheep. And a man named Ishmael shows us how this has played out in real life. And I'll close with this. Several years ago, Ishmael's son, a young Palestinian boy named Ahmed Khatib, was shot and killed in the West Bank city of Jenin by Israeli soldiers who mistook him for a gunman. Ishmael Khatib, Ahmed's father, is a Palestinian Christian. And while he and his wife were still grieving, they decided to donate several of Ahmed's organs to save the lives of Israeli children, the children of the enemy who shot their son. So, the heart of Ahmed now beats in the chest of Sama Gaban, who is a pretty Druze teenager from northern Israel. One of Ahmed's kidneys has saved the life of Mohammed Kabua, a Bedouin child who lives in Israel's southern Negev desert. Ahmed's liver and lungs have been given to two other Israeli children. But most amazingly, Ahmed's other kidney has gone to a little toddler named Manua Levinson. Manua is the daughter of an ultra-Orthodox family that lives in Jerusalem. And at first, Manua's father was really hesitant for his daughter to have a part of Ahmed in his daughter's body. But Ahmed's father, this Palestinian Christian, had the last word. He said... It's not about politics or about Jews or Arabs. It's about human beings. And then, and this is the key statement, the father of Ahmed said, I see my son in these children. That is the good news this morning. Because that is what God also says this morning on this Judgment Sunday to you and me. God says, I see my son in these goats at Calvary St. George's. 
these goats who were forgiven and loved and made new into sheep. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.